Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome everyone to another episode of Revolution Recap. We are two weeks in and the Revolution have been busy this offseason bringing three new players uh, as well as re-signing one player from free agency. Goalkeeper Earl Edwards Jr., defender Christian Mafflia, uh, midfielder Wilfred Kaptum have all signed with the Revolution uh, in this past week and Tommy McNamara has re-signed with the team as well. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today as usual is Sean Donahue. Sean, how's it going? Good, good. I think just like a week or so ago, we were hearing everybody complain about the lack of noise coming out of the revolution, or at least a few people complaining about that. And now we've got two re-signings and two new signings, so our our three new signings, I should say. So glad we have a podcast worth of stuff to talk about. Yeah, and uh, you know, we we predicted a few weeks ago that we'd have some signings to talk about, or a big signing to talk about before the the end of the new year. I don't know if we've gotten our big signing yet. I'm not sure if we're waiting for the international transfer window to open up, but the Ribs have certainly been adding some depth uh, and have been shoring up this team so far. So uh, it's been an exciting start of the offseason. And also joining us today is Chris Volukas of Revs of Volt. Chris, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Uh, getting through the, the holiday season. We're almost at the end of it. We're almost into the new year. And uh, I'm just looking to talk more Revs and see where this offseason has taken us. I guess we should make it official and let everyone know, all of our listeners, you may have noticed Chris has been joining us more and more recently, and we've made uh, an acquisition for the 2021 season, and Chris is coming on as a third host to kind of help us with some hosting duties. There are some weeks that Sean and I have been unavailable, and uh, we've been enjoying having Chris on the podcast, and Chris has been kind enough to say that he'll fill in on weeks that we are not around, so you'll be hearing Chris more and more into this uh uh, the podcast into 2021, and uh, we're really glad to have him. So just wanted to, some some housekeeping notes. Uh, welcome to the podcast officially, Chris. Thank you so much. I'm so looking forward to it, and uh, hopefully I don't get too comfortable here, right? Uh, we, 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 we'll we make sure you're always on edge. <laughs> well, let's get right to it. And Chris, I'll, I'll throw you into the fire here. A lot of people want to uh, know about these two new, particularly the two international signings, Christian Mofla and uh, Wilfred Kaptum. Uh, James Downing says, obviously, he wants to get the expert's opinion on old gas leg, glass legs, which is apparently Christian Mofla's old uh, nickname from the former supporters group at Nacional, uh, his former team in South America. And he also wants to know our opinion on Captoom. So, uh, Chris, I'll give you a, a first crack of the bat. Uh, what do you think of these new two signings? I'll start off with, you know, Mr. Old Glasslegs himself and say it's a it's a bit of a head scratcher, um, only because when you look at the team, the left back hasn't really been, it hasn't been the best position, I guess, but it hasn't been the biggest position of need for us. And then we have uh, Alexander Butner, and of course there's rumors that we'll get to later on in the pod as well. We currently have Alexander Butner, so unless there's something else happening with that situation, I'm not really sure why we're going out to use another international spot at that position. Um, you know, fullbacks is definitely a position that you need to to fill with an experienced player, with a skilled player, um, such as Amafla. Uh, he looks like he would do uh, quite the serviceable job as far as MLS talents go. I'm excited to see what he's going to bring to the team. I'm just a bit confused as to what this means for Bootner, what this means for the rest of the left side overall. Um, I'm definitely concerned with his injury history. And then, you know, going over to Cap Toom as well, he also has a bit of an injury history. And I think he's only 24 years old. Um, and I, he's, I, I forget what the number was, but there was, a, there was quite a few injuries. And I'm sure Sean has much more specific details on this uh, ready to go. 
But the injuries worry me for both of these signings as well. But Captoom actually really excites me to see what he can bring for us in the midfield. Um, uh, he likes to attack. He likes to provide the ball to uh, your playmakers. And that's something that we've lacked a lot of. And, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting on some more height in this midfield, but uh, I'm excited overall. Yeah, honestly, Chris pretty much nailed it for me and, and my thoughts on these two guys. Um, with with Mafla, it doesn't make sense to me unless Bootner is going somewhere else. Uh, I think Dewan Jones is a you know more than serviceable left back, and Bootner certainly you know if he's going to be on the roster as a Tam left back, you know should be your regular starter. Um, so my assumption is that Bootner is probably going away. It, it just doesn't. I know we you know you can trade for international roster spots, but it doesn't make sense to me to have two international spots be spent on left back in particular. It's just a weird spot to do that. And you know the the argument to keep Bootner when you have Mafla is that Bootner. I mean, is that uh, Mafla has a you know, not a great injury history. You mentioned the nickname Old Glass Legs. That's not a great nickname to have um, as a 27-year-old player. Um, and, you know, that would be the argument to keep Bootner. But if you're signing Mafla, I think you have to be confident that he's going to stay healthy because I don't know why else you make the signing of a, you know, injury-prone left back. Bootner is a guy that's had, you know, his share of injuries. Um, he had COVID. You don't know what he's, his health is going to be going into the season. I don't know if a, a platoon of two injury-prone left backs is, is the best use of resources. So my assumption is that Bootner, you know, we might talk about those rumors more, you know, is, is probably on the way out. And it's going to be Mafla with Dewan Jones backing him up or Dewan Jones competing for that right back spot with Brandon Bai and, and perhaps Tejan Buchanan. Um, you know, I, I like what I see in limited highlights from Mafla. It's it's hard to draw too much of a conclusion from that. But, you know, if he stays healthy, I think he can be a good player for the Revs. But um, there's obviously a lot of injury concern. And, you know, whether it's perception or, or truth, you know, studies have shown that playing on turf maybe doesn't lead to more injuries. But. Um, there's definitely the perception out there that, you know, guys with knee injuries and guys with various injuries, it's, it's worse for them to play on turf. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But that's my concern with Mafla. And then my concern with Captoom is, is, is similar. He does have a lengthy injury history for a guy that's just 24. Um, before he left Barcelona, he was out five months with a serious knee injury. You know, you go through the transfer market data. There are multiple, you know, in, in 2014-2015, he missed 32 games due to injury. 2016-2017, they list him as a meniscal injury that cost him 23 games. Um, and then he got various injuries uh, with Betis after that, where he missed six games, three games, nine games. Um, so that's a little bit worrying, too, for a guy as young as him. On the flip side, he has got an amazing pedigree. He went through Barcelona's youth system. That's huge. He played in La Liga for, you know, he didn't get any minutes for, for Barcelona, but he got minutes for Betis. Um, so I, I think there's a potential that he could be a great player for this revolution team. And he could be that guy that kind of links the defense to, to uh, Carles heel into the midfield. Um, and the revolution could use that kind of player in a number eight. Um, but I also very much share Chris's concern that you continue to have a lack of height in the revolution midfield. Um, and if you're playing, you know, cap to him with, with Scott Caldwell uh, behind Carles heel, um, that's a very, very small midfield, very undersized, you know, with Polster, you have a little bit more height. I think he's, he's six feet, I believe, but you know, even, even then, um, you know, it's not great. And I guess my concern here is that I, I like the, the cap tomb signing. I think the, the bigger influential signing would be a real dominant number six rather than an eight. Um, and I still think the revolution would be better. Well, would be well served to improve that number six position because I'm, I'm not sold that Polster and cap tomb, um, is going to be good enough for the Revolution as their two central midfielders. I think Captoom could be a great signing for the Revolution, but I guess it's more that I'm not sold that him paired with Polster or him paired with Scott Caldwell is the answer. So I, I still think even with this signing, a number six is kind of an important position for the Revolution. You know, 
they made it work last year with who they had, but to go to that next level, that's still a position of focus and a position of need for me, even with the signing. We got a question from Mike Kennedy too, and I, I think this will kind of lead into, you've kind of answered this already, but Mike Kennedy says, is Cap the central midfielder we need based on what you guys have seen or researched about him? Sean, it seems like you're leaning no. It seems like you, you kind of like this signing, and I think there is a lot of upside with this signing. It's a 24-year-old. Uh, he played with the Barcelona youth system. Um, you know, it's a free transfer. I think a lot of people are skimming over that, that, you know, there, there's, you know, no transfer fee attached whatsoever. Really, this is a low-risk signing overall. It's a 24-year-old uh, with, a, as you say, a great youth resume, so to speak, and, and seems like he could certainly play for a low- to mid-tier uh, La Liga team. So there is a lot of low risk here, and I, I think that, you know, in terms of value signings, this is a guy that if he, if he turns his career around, if he's able to stay healthy for a few years, you're going to be able to sell him for a, a pretty good fee. But in terms of the 2021 squad, um, a lot of people are wondering if this is a good enough signing. Uh, and it seems like, Sean, it's fair to say that this isn't exactly what you were hoping for. So I look at this signing as an upgrade over a Kellen Rowe, over a Tommy McNamara, over a Diego Fagundes, over the guys that you'd put out there next to a pollster or a Scott Caldwell in a game where you're you know, hoping to have more of the possession, where you're kind of trying to play on the front foot um, and you're you know, focusing more on the possession and, and pushing forward that way um, than in a game where you're going to go into an counterattack. And maybe he's skilled enough where he can play that role um, in either of those situations. But right now I'm looking at him as kind of that guy, um, which is great. And I think the revolution could use that. But I do think it's a position the revolution, you know, could could upgrade in and, and you know, he could be that upgrade. But I, I think more importantly for the revolution is to get that dominant number six, that guy that can break up plays and win balls in the air, um, especially if they're going to continue to have fullbacks that push forward as much as the Revolution do. And um, you know, I think we got a question later on about the kind of the lack of wingers on the Revolution roster. If, if the Revolution are going to rely on their fullbacks for width going forward, I think it's even more important to have you know a really dominant number six. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad signing to upgrade at the number eight spot. You know, as more of your two-way central midfielder, um, and as a guy that's going to keep, you know, people like you know, Kellen Rowe, who's not on the roster right now, Diego Funes, who's not on the roster right now, Tommy McNamara, who's just resigned. I think it makes Tommy McNamara, you know, your your depth piece behind him um, when you're kind of playing that that kind of attack or that kind of lineup. But I think the number six position is the one that, to me, the Revolution could have more of an impact if they, you know, upgraded there. With that said, having a guy that can really help as a number eight in transition from offense to defense, I think could make a big difference. So I'm not saying it's a bad signing. I'm not saying it doesn't help the Rev. I think it does. I think it, it just doesn't solve the central midfield issue for me completely. I still think they need a, a taller, more dominant number six um, to really complete this midfield. Uh, Chris, anything to add? I, I just want to point out too, with the signing of Tommy McNamara, I'm, I think that that section of the field might be all set for now between Captoom and McNamara as kind of your eights. You have Polster, Caicedo, uh, and then Scott Caldwell uh, as your sixes. And Scott Caldwell, I guess, could also be an eight. But Chris, I'll, I'll hop over to you uh, in terms of Mike Kennedy's question. Do you think Captoom is the central midfielder? Uh, is this the guy that the Revs need? It's, it's a bit of a loaded question. I mean, I don't know what we're going to be getting, What the, what sort of style this team is actually going to want to play and you know are we going to be like establishing the new england tiki taka is that what we want to do we've got carlos heel and cop now running the midfield um are they gonna be playing off each other i like the idea of it i like where this could go but i was a little bit confused because that's not the position of need again that we really thought that we'd be going for everyone's looking you know maybe left wing maybe defensive midfield cap is not that guy so i'm uh, i was a little bit thrown off by getting a number six to come in as, you know, 
the biggest signing of the offseason so far, I would say. Um, but it is, to your point, um, Greg, it is, it's very low risk and potentially high reward. And I believe that one of the other clubs that he that Captoon played for over in Spain, um, is it Real Betis? I'm so bad at saying the team names over there. That was his and most I, recent team, by the way. He, he most recently played for Real Betis, yes. Yes. Thank you very much for converting. So the, the one of the coaches or maybe one of the pundits over there, somebody over there that was recently interviewed was exactly saying the same type of thing where he has a very low risk, high reward type of signing for us to make. Uh, and everyone seems to be saying, uh, you know, from Spain that it's a good move for us to make. So there seems to be some glimmers of hope in that. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of is, can he stay healthy and um, will he have time to develop chemistry with this team? Yeah, and, and I think, too, you look at the signings that Bruce Arena made last season um, with Kellen Rowe. I, I think he kind of thought Kellen Rowe would be kind of that eight, that, you know, creative kind of central midfielder who could link uh, to Bowen Heel, um, and that didn't really work out as well as planned. He tried forcing Diego Fagundes into that role. I, I think Captoom is, is kind of the guy that Bruce Arena sees as fitting into that number eight slot uh, pretty comfortably, and, and I think that eight slot has improved pretty well. But um, as you guys have said, you know, do we need a, a you know some height in the midfield? Do we need a, a solid number six? Um, I think there's some reasonable questions about that, and I'm not sure if we're getting another um, central midfielder because I think center back is still a a problem, and I, I think left wing uh, is another area that might need a little bit more focus and a little bit more attention. So I'm not sure if we're getting another third signing in the central midfield or if maybe a Kellen Rowe comes back. But for right now, I, I think Captoon is a great signing. Is it the right signing? Uh, it'll be tough to see. Just one one more quick point on Captoom too is I'm you know just looking at his kind of his who scored stats and they're they're limited stats because he didn't play too many league games at either Barcelona or, or Betis. Um but like looking back at, at 2018, 2019 in the Segunda Liga where he had um he he appeared in, in ten games, nine of which were starts. I do find it kind of interesting that he only averaged thirty-two point three passes per game. And and again, those are you know nine of ten appearances were starts. It's a pretty low number. Um, you know, I, I can't lie and say I was watching a lot of Betis games to know how they were playing, whether they were you know playing more of a counterattacking game, but it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to step in and all of a sudden change the revolution offense into being a much more possession oriented game when he was only getting, you know, that few touches on the ball, um, over there. And again, I don't know, I don't know what their style is, but it implies that they were not, you know, either they either weren't a very good possession team or he wasn't getting on the ball a lot, um, when they were in possession. So that, that to me is a, is a, is a slightly troubling sign for those that think that him coming in is going to kind of change the revolution offense to being a much more possession oriented, you know, tiki taka style offense. Speaking of style of play, we did get a couple of questions based on this signing. Mike Kennedy says, does Bruce change the style to suit more of a possession oriented style um, given Captoon's um, Barcelona roots? Uh, and David Sibillian uh, says, you know, he thinks that uh, they will be playing uh, in kind of a Spanish possession style offense. Uh, and he thinks heel and Captoon will be a, a good kind of connection. Uh, he also notes that you need three players for kind of that triangle to be effective. Who's going to be that third midfield that has the first touch and vision to kind of complete that kind of triangle for possession. Um, so Sean, I'll, I'll, you know, it's kind of a two part question. Um, do you think that Bruce is changing to a more possession oriented style? Uh, and if so, do the revs have the, uh, pieces in place to to play more of a possession style game. I think we saw Bruce at times last year try to play more of a possession style game, um, particularly when he brought in Lee Wynn when the offense was was stagnating and he tried to get the offense going. 
Um, I think we saw a lot more of him trying to play a possession-oriented game that way. And I, I do think that when Bruce Arena has the players um, that he thinks are capable of, of playing that style, when he thinks that the Revolution are you know a team that can play on the front foot when they're the superior roster, um, then we're going to see him do that more often. And maybe as he makes these signings, he's going to think that's the case more often. Um, we obviously didn't see the Revolution play with a lot of possession in the playoffs. And I think that a lot of that was because they were the underdogs for a lot of those games. Uh, but it would not surprise me at all if you know the style we saw them play when they got Lee Wynn and when Lee Wynn was starting, which was a much more possession-oriented style, um, you know, is something we see a lot more of next season. And I do think these signings help that. I think, you know, Mafla could potentially help that from the left back position as well. Um, you know, having a lot better passers. So I, that that's something that I think the, you know, the revolution could, we could see more of. And, and part of it too, is because they've, you know, gotten rid of guys like Christian Pania and Kakuta Mane and, um, a lot of guys that are and Diego Fagundes too, a lot of guys that, um, play better on the counterattack than necessarily in possession. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think next season we could see the Revolution try to play a lot more possession-style soccer, um, but I don't think it's necessarily a shift from what we saw at times this season, because at times this season, Bruce Arena did have the Revolution you know, trying to play a possession-style soccer and, and doing it successfully when Lee Wynn was on the field. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of wrap up the uh, talk about Captoon and Mafla, we did get one more question from Quite Revs. He says, uh, love the Captoon signing, uh, but maybe tell me why I should be concerned. And on the other side of the coin, I don't like the Mafla signing, uh, but tell me why I should be more optimistic. So maybe we'll play a little bit of uh, devil's advocate here because I think we have some skepticisms of uh, Mafla uh, and, and we're pretty positive on Captoon. Uh, not 100%, but uh, let's kind of flip the coin here and say what we don't like about the Captoon signing and what we do like about the Mafla signing. Chris, I'll start with you. Uh, other side of the coin, uh, what do you think of these two signings? Yeah, sure. Let's um, jump over to the Captoon side first. And uh, where should you be concerned? I mean, he's still a young player, and the fact that he is now coming over to MLS, where he's not able to make it, uh, make a career for himself in Spain, um, you have some questions that come up and say, like, is it going to be, is, is he going to have a similar type of career path to? the likes of like a Juan Agudelo who started in the U S and then wasn't able to really get it going overseas, kind of came back and then was very stagnant. Is it going to be that type of thing where you know, he's going to run into all sorts of injuries? What sort of player are you actually going to get out of him is it's really hard to see because he has not been able to stay healthy for long periods of time. He has not been able to establish that sort of chemistry. So there's a bit of an unknown. Yeah. He has a lot of talent, but there's a lot of people that have a lot of talent that doesn't translate to on the pitch. Um, and so that's one of my biggest concerns that I have with the Captoon signing is where is he going to fit? Is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to be able to create chemistry? Will he create chemistry and then get injured and then we're going to lose some chemistry that we have created and kind of have that sort of situation we had when Carly's heel went out and all of a sudden the team didn't know what to do anymore because it had established a playing style that it now could not achieve anymore. Um, and we don't have any depth behind behind Captoom as far as that playing style. Um, and then on the other side of the Mafla, why should you be more optimistic? So let's play, you know, we'll play devil's advocate and saying that he's going to be the starter and we're going to say, you know, Alexander Butner's not in the picture right now. What's Mafla going to give? He's He brings a lot of speed. He brings a tenacity to left back. He's almost like uh, a Luis Caicedo in midfield, but playing left back type. Um, he likes to advance the ball. He likes to bring it up and, these are attacking moves. Both of these pieces actually are very attacking. But with Mafla in particular, you know, consider that he is a defender. Assuming he can stay healthy, we are looking for a player that's really going to push the ball up the field. Uh, and that's 
one thing that I'm actually very excited to see. Yeah, I think I think you know Chris brings up great points. The 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 knock on Cap to him is a the injury history and you know b the fact that he doesn't have a lot of first team minutes. You know he's got you know a decent amount of starts in La Liga, but it's maybe a dozen. Um, so you have to question durability for him. Um, you know he hasn't played a full season at the first team level. Um, you know anywhere. So is he going to be able to start day in and day out for the revolution? And then you look at that injury history too. And, you know, I think that's a, a fair concern. You know, if he stays healthy for the revolution, I think he can be a great player, but um, it's a, it's a fair concern to look at his injury history and look at the fact that, you know, both for injury reasons and for quality and in- quality reasons, you know, he hasn't been able to be a regular starter for a team over any extended period of time. So, um, you know, there is a risk there for sure. And then with, with Mafla, you know, again, it, it, the best case scenario is he stays healthy. He takes over that left back spot. He's a guy that can probably add a lot more to the attack than, than maybe Dewan Jones can from the left back spot. Um, you know, a left footed player that can send in good left footed crosses. Adam Buxa could really benefit from that. You know, we saw that from Bootner at times when he was healthy and when he was able to get forward. Mafla seems to have a bit more speed than Bootner. Um, so, he, you know, maybe he's got more of the speed of Dewan Jones with the left foot crossing ability of Alexander Bootner. This is your best case scenario, I think, is that he can he can cross it like Bootner while having, you know, closer to the wheels of Dewan Jones to get up and down the flank. And if he stays healthy, I think that could be a great thing for the revolution. And if they do go to more of a possession style, um, you know, I, I think his skill set could fit that better than a Dewan Jones or even better than an Alexander Bootner. Um, so, yeah, but again, with, with both of these guys, it's all about, you know, can they stay healthy? Can they give you, you know, 28, 30 something games. I, I don't know how however many games the Revolution end up playing and, and next season with with COVID and everything. Can he can he play most of those games for the Revolution and, and be your regular at left back and can Captoom, you know, be your regular at that number eight? And can Captoom be a player that can both play in possession and play in a kind of a counterattacking style? And again, I think being part of, you know, more of a, a mid table lower table at times, real Betis team. Not that he played that many minutes for them, but you know, that's a team that you know, wasn't always going to be on the front foot. When Betis is playing Barcelona, they're not going to see a lot of the ball. So I, I think that makes it so Captoon could play both sides of that. And that's kind of the hope with the Revolution because the Revolution, even if they do switch to a possession style, are going to go up against, you know, some of the better teams in the league and not going to be able to hold the ball, you know, 55% of the time, 60% of the time. Yeah, I'm not going to repeat too much on Captoon because the, the downside to this is the injury risk. It's a, we've signed, you know, an Xavier Kowasi-like uh, type of player that we expect to kind of transform this midfield, but really it's just damaged goods. Um, and I don't want to write off a 24-year-old as damaged goods, but it's hard to ignore the injury history here. Um, it's it's also hard to kind of be optimistic about the Mafla signing because he also has had his his uh, own own share of injuries. But um, with Mafla, I'm going to kind of take a different spin to this, which is if you look at the production Alexander Butner had last season, did we really get a lot out of Alexander Butner last year? He had three assists. In I think 1,500 minutes of play. Sorry, 1,200. Uh, sorry, 1,250 minutes, not 1,500. Uh, but 17 games played, 15 games started, 1,251 minutes, three assists, zero goals, um, one shot on goal. I don't think Alexander Butner was the signing that the Revs thought they were getting. I don't think he really, you know, lived up to the potential as a TAM signing, um, which you know he, he was expected to be really a, a transformational player. And, and really he was, had a pretty mass season. Um, you know, I would even go to so far to say that, you know, Edgar Castillo, who a lot of people crap on two seasons ago, had five assists. And I would argue Edgar Castillo was a significantly better player to the Revs offense uh, than Alexander Bootner was last offseason. So, um, you know, could Mafla come in 
if Bootner is leaving, could Maffle come in and, and match the production that Alexander Bootner had this season? I, I think he could. Maffle is 27 years old. Bootner is on the wrong side of 30. You got to expect that Bootner will kind of take a step back in 2021. Um, I think this is just the Revs looking at Bootner saying we're not getting our money's worth. We can get the same amount of production from Mafla, who's going to cost probably half as much, if anything. Um, and so if they are letting Bootner go to Cyprus, which we'll get to in a second, is is this an upgrade? No, but Mafla looks like he's someone who is, you know, too good to be a backup, uh, but you don't, you don't feel good enough to be a starter. Uh, and so I, I, I think Mafla is a, you know, decent signing. Um, I, I do think he is maybe a poor man's version of what you expect from Alexander Bootner, um, but I don't think we necessarily got the production Bootner was expected to give in 2020, and, and so I, I'm not thinking that this is too steep of a downgrade overall. With that being said, I have major concerns about his injuries and the fact that everyone on Twitter uh, of his former team is pumped to see him go. Uh, I, I can't say, uh, you know, excites me very much uh, either way. Um, and I'll also throw this out there too, but the same person, the same reporter that uh, reported the news that uh, Mafla was coming to the revolution, also said that Warner Bremen were interested in Mafla uh, over the summer, uh, this past summer in 2020. So if that's true, Warner Bremen sees something in him as well. So I think that can kind of spark a little bit of optimism too. He's 27 years old, so this is not someone I'm expecting to burst out and have a career year suddenly out of nowhere. I certainly think, uh, you know, Captoom might be a you know low risk signing that that has higher rewards. I don't think Mafla's ceiling is as high as Captoom, um, but still, just the fact that he has international uh, appeal seems to me like you know maybe this is a bit of a diamond in the rough that can do a pretty solid job at left back if Bootner is leaving. So um, I, I will give my uh, optimism to, to, to Mafla and say, uh, let, let's give him some time before we uh, bury this guy as a bust, which some people have already done. But with that said, I do want to transition over to Alexander Bootner, who has been tied to, boy, is it APOL? Um, the Cyrus uh, Cyprus team uh, that is currently coached by uh, Mick McCarthy, uh, the former Ireland national team manager. Uh, apparently, Alexander Bootner was tied to this team last season. Um, this report is coming out of the fan group of the club. Uh, this is not a journalist. Um, it is not the team itself. I've seen some places say that the move has been confirmed. MLS Soccer has has noted this is uh, on their radar, but no journalist, to my knowledge, has reported this so far, so please take this with a grain of salt. But if uh, if Alexander Bootner is on the move, it certainly does make a lot of sense and, and has a lot more context to this uh, Christian Mafla signing because as Chris said, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to use two international spots on two injury-prone left-backs. But with that being said, Sean, I'll start with you. Uh, do you think letting Alexander Bootner go makes sense? And do you think the Revs are going to be getting any transfer fee for him? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, it, you know, it's just a re- r- rumor at this point or, you know, there's been stories out there saying that they're very interested in him. Nothing's been official, officially confirmed, but it does make some sense. Cause I think it was Bootner himself that actually mentioned when he came to the revolution that they were one of the teams that had been interested in him, um, or at least it came out at that time. I, I can't recall exactly if he was quoted or saying that or where that came from, but it seemed pretty clear that they were a team that had been interested in him before. So it's not completely out of the blue. Um, but, you know, going back to the fact they signed Mafla, um, if you told me before they signed Mafla, whether it made sense for the revolution to let him go, the answer would have been no. But now that they signed Mafla, it makes complete sense because, again, I don't know why you'd spend two international spots on two left backs when you have a you know a serviceable left back and Dewan Jones on the roster as well, who's you know done more than adequately there when called upon. So um, 
yeah, it makes a lot of sense to move on from Bootner. He's a, a Tam left back um, that you know has had injury history, has had injury issues for the Revolution. He wasn't available for the Revs in the playoffs. He you know got COVID and I, and didn't get back in time. Or um, you know I, I think he was out long enough where he could have potentially come back had things gone well. Um, but he didn't. He wasn't available for any playoff games for the Revolution. Um, and now they have another left back on the roster, so it makes a lot of sense to to move on from him. And if they do move on from him, I don't see them getting. Um, much, if anything, in the way of a transfer fee. You know, this was a guy that was out of contracts for many months before the revolution signed him. He was not a highly, well, uh, he was he was not, uh, we, we heard rumors that there were teams that wanted him, but he was not a guy that, you know, instantly got a great offer and, and joined somewhere. Um, he was available for the revolution on a free transfer, and I don't think his value has increased all that much. You mentioned his stats this season. You know, he looked decent for the revolution, but he certainly wasn't a world beater. Um, I don't think he went from a, a, a guy who, was out of contract to a guy that's not going to be worth a million dollars. I just don't think that's the case, um, especially with the injury history and with COVID. Um, so, you know, if the revolution get a fee for him, I think it's going to be you know, very insignificant, something less than half a million dollars, um, maybe a hundred thousand, maybe nothing. Um, I, ju- I just don't see, you know, him being worth a lot of money. And I don't see a, a team like APOL or anyone else um, and excuse excuse me if I mispronounce that as well, because I have no idea how you pronounce that team's name. Uh, but I don't see a team like that, you know, offering up a lot of money for a guy on the wrong side of 30 with his injury history. That was a free transfer um, a year ago. I think it's just unrealistic to expect a lot of, a lot of money for Bootner at this point. And I think for the revolution, you know, they'd be more happy to get a Tam signing left back off the books who, you know, they may not be seeing as their starting left back this season, regardless for them. It's more about, you know, getting rid of that salary off the books and having more flexibility to sign somebody for a position that's more useful to the revs right now. And if I could jump in on that too, looking at transfer fees, what were, you know, nothing's been disclosed for the acquisition of Mafla, but it wasn't a free transfer. So not only did the revs use up an international spot at left back again. We also paid a transfer fee to acquire this person too. Hopefully we can get some of that back if if the the rumors of Bootner going are true. Um but I you know I totally agree with you Sean as far as what value do might there actually be for him uh, with with him I, I don't remember how many months it was that he was out but I do recall that when the when the revs signed him uh, it had been several months that, but like since the time that he was released um, previously, or out of contract, I should say, he wasn't released. Um. Yeah, because Bootner was signed pretty much the second the season ended, and he came in for training while the Revs' season was was going on, if I remember correctly. So you're right; I think mm-hmm. he was out of contract. Boy, July July was 2019. With Vitesse? Yeah, July 2019, and he signed for the Revolution in November. So he was out of contract between July and November. Yeah. So, well, and, and the other thing too that's interesting about the Mafla contract fiasco is I mentioned Werner Bremen. So, so Mafla, his contract ran out. His, he was a he was a free agent, and then he signed, and then basically immediately went on the transfer block um, with Nacional uh, down in Colombia. So, I'm not entirely sure what happened there, uh, where he signed with a team that was still looking to shop him and ended up selling him a few months later. I'm not totally sure if there is maybe a release clause in that agreement that's very low or something like that you know maybe maybe mafla you know came back at a low you know salary or something like that but had a low release clause or something like that it was a very strange scenario so i'm not totally sure what is going on there but chris brings up a very good point that this was not a free transfer like the captoom signing uh this is more like the matt polster acquisition where there probably is some sort of fee involved although i have not seen anything reported uh to date so that'll be interesting too but um 
it's worth pointing out, as John mentioned, you know, Bootner came in as a TAM signing. So if the Revs do, you know, sell uh, Alexander Bootner, um, you know, as a TAM signing, who, who was a free transfer, you know, his salary was probably pretty high. We're probably talking over half a million dollars in salary. Uh, so I imagine whatever quote unquote fee uh, the, the Revs gave up for Mafla, it's going to be balanced out by by Alexander Bootner. I cannot imagine uh, Mafla was... Um, you know, more than half a million dollars in salary. So hopefully the math kind of works out and the Revs are saving a few dollars either way. Uh, but that is a very good point, Chris, that Mafla was not a free transfer. And so there's a little, this is a little bit more risky uh, than a Captoom signing. So uh, I do want to get into another signing the Revs made, uh, bring back a familiar face in Tommy McNamara. Uh, Chris, what do you think of this signing? Do you agree with it? And we, we kind of talked about how, you know, with, with the Captoom signing, McNamara is probably going to be playing a depth spot. Do you think that's the role for him? And, and do you agree with the signing? Yeah, I totally agree with the signing. And you you hit the nail on the head. That That's his role. Um, I think, uh, of course, he probably wants more of a starting role. Uh, I think everybody would, would aspire to want more of a starting role. But I think that McNamara, at least in an MLS system, performs best coming off the bench uh, as some sort of super sub. He brings so much energy to the pitch, uh, especially, you know, in 60th, 70th minute. You got tired legs on the field, and then you have Tommy McNamara running around chopping people down. He's works so tirelessly out there, and especially when you see him out there with the fresh legs. Uh, I I love seeing Tommy McNamara on the pitch. Uh, I know he doesn't always make the right decisions at the right times, but he puts in more of an effort than 90% of the players that you you'll see on any team. And I'll take a player that has skill that has it, that puts in the effort um, that gets it right 90% of the time. I think he's a good depth piece. He made about $165,000 in 2019, so he's pretty cheap. Um, and for a veteran like him, um, you know, assuming the Revolution signed him at something in that ballpark, maybe he went up to $200,000. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to have him on there. You know, we talked about Captoom's injury history. You know, if Captoom goes down and they want to play, a, you know, more of an attacking style with a, a more of an attacking number eight or a guy that can provide more going forward, I think Tommy McNamara is probably that guy. Um, so it makes sense to me to re-sign him. Um, with that said, I think the fact that they re-signed him and they signed Captoom uh, doesn't leave room for Kellen Rowe to be re-signed. So I'd be I'd be surprised at this point if if Kellen Rowe Kellen Rowe was on my list of guys that I thought might come back. Now Kellen Rowe is off of my list of guys that I thought might come back because I don't see the room for him now um, with these two signings. Um, although I think Kellen Rowe probably would have demanded more money than Tommy McNamara makes. So in, in that sense, um, it, it makes sense to me this signing, and I think it's a good a good depth move for the Revolution going forward. Now, if the Revolution end up in a situation where he's their everyday starter somehow because Captoom gets injured and they decide to, to go that route, uh, I like the signing a little bit less. Um, but I look at the signing as a good depth signing. Yeah, and if you're trying to build a MLS Cup winner, you need good depth pieces, preferably domestic players that don't take an international spot, and preferably someone that doesn't take up a lot of uh, salary cap space, and that's Tommy McNamara. Uh, he's a professional. You know what you're getting. Um, it, it's a good signing. He, he played some pretty good shifts last year for the Revolution. Uh, at one point before the Lee Wayne acquisition, Sean, I remember we talked about if Tommy McNamara could handle the 10, ten roll. Uh, so, you know, this is a, your kind of swift ar- swift, Swiss Army knife uh, who kind of takes over this role that I think we thought Kellen Rowe would fit into uh, at the beginning of last season. And um, I, I think it's a great signing overall for the Revolution. Uh, it does bring up one quick question, though, that I wanted to get to, which is that 
when the Revs did start this offseason, I think Bruce Arena said they were planning on bringing back four or five people. Sean, you're crossing Cullen Rowe off your list. There are a few other players that have been crossed off the list as well. Lee Wynn uh, this week signed with Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. Uh, Christian Pena has been linked to multiple teams in Ecuador, and I can't imagine he's coming back to the Revs regardless. Uh, Isaac Ankeng has been tied to Johar uh, in Malaysia, who's you know, the best team in Malaysia, as I've learned this week, uh, looking into to their team. So uh, he's been linked there, and I think he's expected to sign with them uh, in the, the next few weeks. Um, the Revs are running out of players to potentially re-sign, and, and apparently we're supposed to be getting three or four more re-signings. So, Sean, do you do you expect anyone else from the Revolution to, or, or any players that have left the Revolution to come back, or do you think it's just Tommy McNamara at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to look at the you know the center backs if you're looking for if you're trying to trying to drag somebody back um, and trying to put the pieces together. You know, again, we we talked about De La Maya. Maybe he comes back for less money. Um, you know, he's not an international player. He's got a green card, um, so that wouldn't shock me. I don't know that I've heard any rumors about De La Maya going anywhere. Um, you know, so that that's a possibility. Um, you know, other than that, you know, <laughs> we were surprised before by Michael Mancien coming back. Maybe he comes back again at even less money and maybe he gets a green card. Um, I don't think that makes any sense, but, uh, you know, just throwing those out there, I, I don't see them bringing back, um, Kellen Rowe. Like I said, you know, I, I don't, I don't think Isaac Anking, I don't think it was ever really realistically that he was going to come back. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of unlikely at this point that Firmino comes back. I think if there was something going on there that that would have already happened. Um, so, you know, at this point, it wouldn't surprise me if, if nobody else left on the team, um, left on, you know, left out of those guys that they didn't resign comes back. But, uh, you know, the most likely candidates now for me would be would be De La Maya. Yeah, I, I agree with the De La Maya point, And I would like to see him come back. We definitely need depth in the center back position. But another name that I haven't heard brought up yet that I would like to see come back is Kakuda Mane, uh, unless he's gone somewhere else that I have not heard of. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not finished with that experiment. Um and I'm not sure the Revs should be either. I liked I liked the energy that he brought. Um, I liked that he's a natural winger, and we are lacking wingers right now. I've said this before that I think Teal Bunbury is a nice piece to have, but I don't want him playing on the wing necessarily. So the Kakuda Mane project, I would love for him to come back. Uh, I'm not sure if that happens. I know we've also talked about this in the past as well that you know he has he is going to come at a price probably more than what the Revs will want to pay for him. You know he might be able to get more elsewhere. Um, but that's the only other player that I would throw uh, into the ring. Yeah, uh, De La Maya and Mane, I, I, I was going to mention Mane too. Uh, someone pointed out that he did make a trip to Austin recently, so uh, maybe he is uh, talking with them. Uh, that's kind of speculation at this point, though. Kellen Rowe, I think, makes a lot of sense just from a sense, you know, he, he's spent a lot of time of his career here, but um, I'm not sure what where he fits in with this team. Uh, I don't think he'd get a whole lot of minutes here, and I'm sure someone would, you know, give his phone a ring and, and try to give him some more minutes as well. So uh, I can't imagine Kellen Rowe is, is on this list, and, you know, we've been surprised by before about Michael Mancien coming back. So I, I'd be shocked at this point if uh, he, he got another phone call and, and uh, the Revs brought him ha- back for another year. Uh, but I don't know, the, the center back depth is, is lacking and it seems like he's a very good locker room guy or something like that. So um, I, I would say De La May and Manet are the only two players that have, you know, the, the Revs cut or let go of uh, or entered free agency um, that could be coming back. And again, it should be pointed that De La Maya is not technically a free agent. Uh, the Revs still have his rights. Do the Revs still have his rights after they go through the re-entry draft? Sean, do you know that? I, I think I think once you get through the re-entry draft, you're free to sign with anybody. I, I, I'd have to check because the rules like have changed just this year from the, the new CBA. But I, I think if you go through the re-entry draft, you're, you know, if you don't opt out, I think you're free to, to sign anywhere after that, I think. 
I got halfway through that sentence and I realized I, I'm pretty confident it's wrong and I'm pretty sure what you just said is right. So I think De La Maya is free to sign uh, anywhere else too. But as you mentioned, Sean, he is not taking up a, an international spot. Uh, he, him and him and uh, Andrew Farrell, I, I think we're battling for that second spot uh, throughout the season. So it would make a lot of sense if Tony De La Maya comes back. But outside of Mene and De La Maya, I'm not sure if anyone else is coming back for the revolution. And one person that definitely is not coming back for the revolution is Jeff Caldwell because the refs signed a third goalkeeper. Um, much to my surprise and some other people's surprise, I assume because they listen to this podcast and they listen to me ramble on about senior roster spots for supplemental roster spots. But uh, the revolution signed Earl Edwards Jr., uh, who is 28 years old, which means he he will be occupying a senior roster spot. This means that the revolution will have three goalkeepers on the, the senior roster between Brad Knighton, Matt Turner, and now Earl Edwards Jr. Um, Chris, I'll go to you. Um, I mean, I don't want to spend too, too much time on a third goalkeeper here, but uh, any surprise in, in signing Earl Edwards Jr.? What do you think of the signing? Uh, and kind of the dark horse question, do you think this means anything for Matt Turner and or Brad Knighton? Yeah, at first I was definitely surprised. Um, I, I figured we we're going to go out and get a keeper. If not, I thought, you know, maybe we look to Revs too. We know we do have Joe Rice down there. Um, and the, although they just let go of Keegan Meyer too, so... You know they're they're needing keepers down in revs too as well, but uh, yeah, I was definitely surprised to see that was the way that they went. Um, you know, somewhat of a MLS journeyman um, type type keeper. I mean, he's played in USL as well. Um, so yeah, I, I was taken aback, but then um, I, I thought more about it, and it basically what I went to was that dark horse question that you were asking. I'm not sure there's anything up with Matt Turner per se, uh, but I would go with the Brad Knighton route. I mean. He's getting older. Uh, he's not getting very many minutes right now because he is behind Matt Turner. Uh, I think that maybe they're grooming more of a number two behind Matt Turner. Uh, they're getting ready for the transition from Brad Knighton to possibly Earl Edwards. Um, and that might not be a 2021 thing. That might be a 2022 thing um, where you look to get someone in and get someone to the, into your system and make sure that you're ready to go when you need that because you always need a backup goalkeeper. Yeah, it's a it's a strange move to me um, that they you know, go out and sign kind of a 28 year old journeyman who's never really been a regular starter in MLS, very very limited MLS minutes actually. I, you know, he's got six appearances for Orlando City, I think, and and you know other than that, has mostly played for the USL sides, you know, related to MLS clubs. If this was 10 years ago, this would be a really exciting signing. He was a guy that was part of the US Under 17 team in the Under 17 World Cup. Looked like he had a really promising future, um, but you know it hasn't really panned out for him. He hasn't had a great um, you know, first team opportunity in MLS. So I I don't know if this means anything about, um, you know, Brad Knighton moving on. Maybe Brad Knighton's made clear that he's going to retire after the season or there's some interest in, in trading him somewhere, you know, closer to his hometown or something as he gets later in his career. Um, I, you know, I don't think it necessarily means anything about Matt Turner yet. I don't think, you know, they know that at this point. And if it, and if it did mean something about Matt Turner, I'd be surprised that this would be the guy they turned to as his replacement, um, just given his, you know, kind of lack of experience, given his age. Um, so, yeah, this move surprised me, but I, I'm still just under the assumption that it's going to be the Revolution's third string keeper. Um, you know, maybe Bruce Arena's concerned during COVID. You know, COVID is not over yet, and COVID is going to be a problem at least at the beginning of next season as well. Um, so maybe maybe there's concern that they want to have another experienced goalkeeper there to, to step up for the first team if if you know people get sick, um, and and you know they they didn't have the faith in Jeff Caldwell. Um, but yeah, this this move came as a surprise to me, but I, I don't know what to read into it. Uh, just it's just weird that they went out and got a 28 year old with very limited first team appearances. 
it, it is a, a bit of an interesting signing because I thought, you know, holding the 24th spot in the Super Draft, you're really not going to get a whole lot of value out of that pick. So in my mind, what I kind of thought would happen is the Revs go into the draft, take the best keeper available, you know, have him play the Jeff Caldwell role of third goalkeeper who's just kind of there on an emergency basis, or maybe you send him down to, to Revs 2 for a little bit. Third goalkeeper is not necessarily a spot you need to invest a whole lot uh, of resources into. It's very unlikely you're going to get to a number three goalkeeper. So I, I was a little bit surprised to see them use a senior roster spot, uh, as I say, on another goalkeeper. Now, they still have four roster spots left, senior roster spots left, uh, so they do still have some room to make acquisitions. Maybe this is just a situation where they said, you know, let's bring in another experienced keeper in case, as you said, Sean, something happens throughout the season. Not a bad thing to have more experienced uh, goalkeepers. The more goalkeepers, the better. You know, maybe that's the the logic here, but I I thought it was a bit odd in the same way that using two international spots on injury-prone left-backs, using three uh, senior spots on goalkeepers was a bit shocking to me. So uh, I kind of echo your, your sentiments here. With these signings, the Revs end, well, they probably end 2020, pending any signings over the next three to four days, uh, with 22 of their 30 roster spots filled. That includes 16 of their 20 senior spots, six of the 10 supplemental roster spots, and seven of the eight uh, international roster spots. And those include Alexander Butner. Um, if Butner goes, it's six out of eight international spots and 15 of 20 international, uh, or sorry, 16 of 20 senior spots. So maybe a little bit more flexibility if Butner leaves. Overall, on the whole, um, the Revs roster is taking shape at this point so that leads us into our, our listener questions here and we'll get right to the question that i think everyone is, wants to get into uh, revolution report says do you think they will sign another starter uh, and he says most likely left winger uh sean I'll, I'll go to you first do you think the revs are signing another starter starting caliber player yeah i think they that is the answer left wing is where they would sign another starting caliber player and i do think that's going to happen um, I think they they see that as a whole, and I think that's a position that you know Bruce Arena talked about wanting to help add to the attack. I believe in the in the offseason, we haven't seen too much of that. Um, you know, Captum obviously a guy that can contribute offensively, but we haven't seen much of in the way of additions to the offense. So I, I expect them to go out there and sign a winger um, the starting caliber. Like I said, I think they could also still use an upgrade at number six. I don't think that's actually going to happen, um, but I do think that's an area that could use an upgrade. But I, I expect them to see a starting caliber left winger. Um, I don't know that we're going to see any other starting caliber players beyond that. I do think that more depth is needed elsewhere. I don't I don't think it'd be a bad idea to get a, you know, a, a veteran right back to compete for a spot along with all the, the young guys that I mentioned earlier, although that might be too many numbers for there. Um, but as far as starters, I think left wing, you know, or potentially right wing with somebody else moving over to left wing is where that would come from. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of, lot of room for new starters in this in this spot or on, on this team, you know, as far as I can see. And I have to go straight to left wing uh, right there with you, Sean. And it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to go anywhere else at this moment. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna take out Gustavo Bo. You're not gonna take out Buxa or Heal. You know, those are your DPs or your main guys. And then we've seen, you know, I, you alluded to right back, but it seems like a crowded crowded house over there. Maybe you go for a second center back to pair with Henry Kessler, but that doesn't seem like a high priority item. I think Andrew Farrell's done fine there. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing, I guess, another high-profile center back coming in in front. You know, uh, left wing is still where what it comes back to every single time when you when you go through the whole roster. Left wing is really where it's at, where you say, what can they bring in to add here? Because I've said it, I've already said it once on this podcast. I've said it like three times in the other podcasts. It's just the Teal Bunbury left wing experiment doesn't seem to be creating a lot of attack, um, and so we just we, we really need something there, and I really hope that that's where they're looking. 
I still I still think Till Bunbury is better as your backup striker to Buxa than he is as your yes. starting left winger or 100%. You know, starting any winger. And throughout the playoffs, Teal Bunbury seemed a little bit invisible. Even though he was the golden boot winner, I think we saw in the playoffs, Teal Bunbury didn't make as much of an impact as we had hoped he would, uh, kind of in that left winger role, I think, maybe as a right winger or, as you said, a backup striker. Uh, that might be where Teal Bunbury is meant to be. Uh, and, and just to kind of tack on to the question of do I think they'll sign another starter, you know, they have four more senior roster spots. They have one more international roster spot. And based on my guesstimates here, I mean, the Revs have at least a million dollars of cap space and GAM that they can play with here. Um, and, and when I say at least, I mean, I'm being very conservative with that, especially if Alexander Butner leaves. If Alexander Butner leaves, they have five uh, senior roster spots. They have two international roster spots um, and, and they have, you know, at least one and a half million uh, in, in cap space that they can play with. So um, there has to be a, another shoe to fall here. I'm wondering if the international uh, transfer window needs to open up for this move to go through. Uh, but as you said at the very beginning of your answer, Sean, Bruce Arena hinted at two or three signings on the attack. Uh, and, and maybe Cap Toom is one of those players that he's talking about. But the rest of these signings, uh, McNamara, Earl Edwards Jr., Christian Mafla, I don't, I don't consider those signings on the attacking side uh, of the field. So I, I imagine the biggest move is still to come. Uh, and I, I'd be disappointed if we don't see a, another starter signed. But uh, one position you guys didn't mention uh, was another striker, uh, maybe a backup striker, maybe someone to, to challenge Adam Buxa. Uh, and that's a bit interesting because one of the Twitter rumors going around um, is that Dom Dwyer has some interest from the revolution and there's mutual interest there. Um, Sean, I'll go to you first. What do you think of the Dom Dwyer rumor? Do you think it's real? And do you think it's a good fit for New England? I don't think it's real. Uh, I think I think Dom Dwyer to New England doesn't make a lot of sense um, for a few reasons. One of which is he's always followed his wife, Sydney LaRue, or she's always followed him, or wherever they've gone, they've gone together. Um, there's no NWSL team for her to play here, um, I, and I haven't heard any rumors about her retiring or anything. Um, so unless I'm wrong there, that that would surprise me. They have two young kids. They seem to want to play together and, and be in the same city. You know, unless the breakers are coming back, that's not happening in New England. So that part surprised me. Um, he's been a, a DP player for the past you know couple years. Um, so he would need to take a massive salary reduction. And, you know, he hasn't he hasn't lived up to his salary the past few seasons. So I think realistically he knows he has to take a big salary reduction. But the question is, how much of a salary reduction makes sense if you know the thought process is going to be that he's going to back up Adam Buxa you know just should a backup to Adam Buxa make seven hundred thousand dollars a year because that would be a big salary reduction for Dom Dwyer um you know I don't think that makes sense maybe if they get him down to you know five hundred thousand maybe six hundred thousand if he's a, a maximum salary player that doesn't require Tam maybe that makes sense um again if you get past the, the the thought that you know he probably doesn't want to play in a city where he can't play with his wife um so yeah i don't i don't know that this makes sense i don't know that i believe this rumor um with that said if the revolution were to sign him i think he's a guy that if he got healthy and stayed healthy um he's had some injury histories over the past injury issues over the past few years if he got healthy and stayed healthy um you know again i'm always hesitant to see the revolution sign somebody that's going to be rehabbing a long-term knee injury on turf um but if he stayed healthy i think he could you know push Adam Buxa for the starting spot and it could add a lot to this revolution offense. I'm just not sure that the salary he's going to require and also factoring in his injury history um, and also factoring that he can't play, you know, in the same city as his wife, if he does, if he comes here, that it makes a lot of sense. And it also doesn't make a lot of sense to me if the revolution go out and upgrade left wing and, you know, then Teal Bunbury's primary spot becomes competing for minutes with Adam Buxa to then add Dom Dwyer to the mix at, you know, $600,000 potentially or $700,000 or, or higher. Um, so 
I don't think this move makes sense. I don't think the rumor is has much legs to it. Um, if I am proven wrong, I do think he's a guy that could push Adam Buxa for minutes, and it would be you know a good uh, good for the Revolution to have that kind of competition. I just don't know in a salary cap league that it makes sense to have a backup striker or you know a guy that's going to be a rotation piece or a guy that's going to be pushing for minutes um, that is going up against your designated player and then is you know a TAM signing um, to do that. I, that part of it, I have trouble squaring my head around how that makes sense. And if I'm Dom Dwyer, I'm not looking to go to a team like the Revolution necessarily where I'm going to be competing for my time. I'm going to be taking a pay cut to do that as well. I'm looking to go to a team that possibly needs a number nine. Uh, you know, maybe a team like uh, like an RSL. Um, I, I could be wrong about RSL. I just threw them off the top of my head. But, you know, some other MLS team, maybe you could go down to Austin, go down somewhere where he might be able to cash in one more final payday. Um, and... And then get a starting job, and you know have one more, one or two more years um, left to really try to try to prove himself. And he's got English citizenship too, so if he's if he's finally willing to be at a point in his career where he's going to you know no longer be living in the same city as his wife, it wouldn't surprise me if he this is you know probably his last opportunity to try his hand at Europe. And I, I think given his citizenship that, you know, he could probably find his way on a, on a team in the English championship um, as a free agent if, if he wanted to do that. And he'd probably make more money there than he'd make on the revolution. So a, a lot of things would have to fall into place for this, I think, to make sense um, for him personally to go to the revolution and for it to make sense for the revolution to sign him. Um, so I, I, right now, I just don't see it. Um, but again, he, he is a very talented player. When he's been healthy, he's done you know, very well in this league. So I'm not, I'm not saying he wouldn't help the revolution if he joined the team. I, I just don't see the salary in which it makes sense um, for either him or the revolution to, to make this move. Mm-hmm. And it's worth noting his 2020, he did have a lot of injuries, only 124 minutes played, two games started. Uh, his 2019 was not very stellar either. He had seven goals and four assists and 16 games started and 27 games played over uh, 16, uh, 114 minutes uh, overall. You know, is this guy really that much of an improvement over Teal Bunbury at your as your backup striker? Uh, I'm not so sure. I think it's a bit of an interesting you know name. I think a lot of people are drawn to this big name, kind of similar to how some people were drawn to Boyan. Um, but does this move make a lot of sense for the Revolution? Uh, I'm not so sure. And again, I don't know if this is the best use of resources with um, you know only four senior roster spots left. I, I mean, as I say, could could make you a little bit stronger on paper, but is it worth a TAM signing? Uh, I'm not totally so sure. So the one, the one interesting note to, to add here is that he did make his first appearance for the U S national team under Bruce arena. So Bruce arena was the guy that gave him his first cap. Um, so there's obviously that factor in there that could lead you to conclude that, you know, he's a guy that Bruce arena is interested in and, and may think to bring to the revolution. We've certainly seen, um, you know, in his, in his past coaching tenures that he's brought guys, you know, veteran players from the national team that he's given call-ups to before to his club team. So, you know, that adds some some, cre- some credence to, or some credibility, I should say, to the rumor. Um, but I still don't see it. Getting back to the listener questions here, TSB11 asks us, should we be reading into the absence of true wingers on this roster? Is Bruce signaling a formation switch? Or should we be looking forward to seeing a bunch of players play out of position? Um uh, we've obviously mentioned we need another winger, preferably a left winger in this team, and we expect one to come. But uh, certainly, I think the lack of true wingers is a bit concerning. Chris, uh, do you think this signals a formation change? Do you think Bruce is up to something? Uh, or do you think wingers are coming uh, over the next few weeks? I think it's way too early to read into that. Um, it, the, I, there would have to be some sort of wingers because we're still missing some pieces on the attack. 
maybe we don't bring in wingers. I'm not really sure where else Bruce is looking to bring in players. You know, where else, what other positions, what formations we could use where we have the players we have where we're not bringing in any other wingers. Um, I think that no matter what formation we roll out with, we're going to need to bring in somebody else, especially given the, you know, the DPs that we have, because maybe Gustavo Bo can, can float out to the wing once in a while, but he's not a natural winger. Uh, Carlos Heel is not a natural winger. Adam Buxa is not a natural winger. He's not even close to a winger. Um, you know, he's a guy that just hangs out at the top of the box. <laughs> we need, we need some more, some, somebody else on the wing. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that means that Tejan Buchanan gets an expanded role, uh, in the attack. Dewan Jones. Yeah. We have Dewan Jones too. I'm not sure if he's ready to take on a, a, a full starting role with the revs yet. Um, you know, maybe he'll prove me wrong. I'd love for that to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I say it's way too early to read into what formation we'll be rolling out. Uh, there's bound to be more, more signings coming in. And I definitely think that there's something else coming in the attack, whether it's a, a left winger or a right winger. Maybe we, we swap someone over to the left. Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. And, you know, again, Tejan Buchanan was a really good right winger for the revolution for a good chunk of last season before the playoffs came and they decided to move him to right back. So you have him that can play out there. Um, you know, at the same time, we have seen a revolution team that at times has relied heavily on the fullbacks for their width and hasn't necessarily played with natural wingers. You know, whether that was Carlos Hill on the right uh, with, you know, Brandon by overlapping a couple seasons ago or, or in the playoffs this year with Tejan Buchanan overlapping, you know, they, they relied more on the fullbacks than the wingers for um, or the midfielders for width. So, you know, I, I wouldn't read anything into it yet. I expect the revolution to go out and sign another winger, at least one more winger, um, you know, given who they've been signing, on this team, you know, this season with the fullbacks, it wouldn't surprise me if Buchanan moves back up uh, to right wing and we have Brandon By and Dewan Jones competing for the right back spot, especially if Butner doesn't end up leaving. Um, but no, I think they're going to add to the wings. And if I was going to, you know, read too much into this, the the one wild theory that I actually don't believe myself would be that, you know, we saw Bruce Arena try uh, 4-4-2 diamond against Philadelphia at the end of the regular season. It was an absolute disaster. Um, he played with wingers as central midfielders, and that didn't work. But maybe Bruce Arena sees what Philadelphia is doing um, with their midfield and and could try to emulate that now that he has a guy like Captoon. Maybe he could be one of those, you know, shuttling guys in your 4-4-2 diamond. You know, maybe you put him, you know, next to McNamara. I don't know. Maybe you find somebody else. Um, but you have a lot of sixes and eights now um, where you could have some flexibility to maybe put a Captoon next to a Caicedo with Polster behind them. Um, and then, you know, Gustavo Bo at the front of that, and, and maybe that works. And then you're, you know, you keep Buchanan as your right back and use him as your, as your with bombing forward. And then Mafa as your left back bombing forward. You know, that's my, you know, my crazy theory that I don't actually believe, but if I'm trying to read too much into it, that's what, you know, maybe I draw some conclusion that Bruce Arena is thinking about doing that. And that's why he's loaded up on sixes and eight and hasn't loaded up on wingers um, is that he's going to try to do what Philadelphia is doing with their formation um, because it does kind of look like they have the pieces to do that right now. I just don't think that's where he's actually thinking. Chris Creighton asks us, who do you think is subject to being put on the trading block if need be? Let's remove Alexander Butner from this conversation altogether. We've kind of talked about him enough. So uh, Sean, I'll go to you. Who do you think is on the trade block if the Revs are looking to move someone? 
Uh, maybe Caicedo. I don't. We don't know what Bruce Arena thinks of Caicedo right now. He hasn't had much of a chance to to use him um, given his injury. So maybe he's a guy. Again, I think his value is probably down. But maybe he's a guy that Bruce Arena thinks about moving on from. Again, given the extreme number of sixes or eights that they've accumulated right now. Um, other than that, you know, maybe Brandon By. It seemed like Brandon By fell out of favor for Bruce Arena. At the same time, he played enough minutes last year where people were calling him potentially the best right back of MLS's back, and there were you know some crazy people calling for him to play for the U.S. national team, which, um, you know, I didn't see, but maybe there's a little bit of value there. And Bruce Arena wants to, you know, give Dewan Jones more minutes or Tejan Buchanan's more minutes at right back. Um, you know, they just re-signed Teal Bunbury not that long ago, so I don't think he'd be on that list. You know, I, I, I look at, if I'm looking at numbers at people, I would say, you know, Brandon By possible, Luis Caicedo possible, only because, you know, we don't know what Bruce Arena thinks of him. Um, other than that, I don't see many guys that could be on the trading block that would hold, you know, any level of value to even be worth moving on from. Yeah, I was going to say Brandon Bias. So you took you took my thunder on that one, Sean. But, uh, yeah, Brandon Bias is the one that I would think. Brandon Bai, I think, is the obvious answer here. Uh, he's well-regarded in MLS. Um, you know, he, he's certainly shown a lot of promise. He's still very young. He's on a team-friendly contract. And it looks like Taeyeon Buchanan is going to be playing uh, some right-back long-term. Um, I, I'm not totally 100% sold on that, but if the Revs are getting a left wing, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of minutes for Taeyeon Buchanan, and I think you want to keep him playing. So I think Taeyeon Buchanan might be your long-term right back uh, if that's where you choose to develop him. The only other person I'll mention, too, is Dewan Jones. Uh, Dewan Jones is kind of in the same spot as Brandon Bayev. What's his? What is his role? Um, you know, if Alexander Butner leaves... You know, I think Dewan Jones plays a similar role uh, as he did last year. But if Bootner doesn't leave, if Bootner and, and Moffle have left back down, um, if Brandon Bay and Tayon Buchanan have right back down, where's Dewan Jones fit? Um, and I, I think he's too talented to not have a role. So Brandon Bay, Dewan Jones, and and Sean, I think that was a good uh, call with Luis Caicedo as well, just because the Revs seem to be stocked up at sixes and eights, and if they're looking to bring in another piece uh, into the central midfield, Luis Caicedo again. Uh, has a pretty good reputation throughout MLS. It would open up a senior spot. It would open up an international roster spot. Um, I, I think there's a lot of positives to uh, moving on from Caicedo if you don't have minutes for him. So there could also be a Brad Knight and move too. I guess I wouldn't 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 hide that one, especially with the Earl Edwards signing. You never know who needs a good a good backup. One one last thought on Brad Knighton too is is it's worth remembering that Charlotte's coming into the league in 2022 and Brad Knighton's from North Carolina, so it, the Earl Edwards move could be thinking that you know Brad Knighton is going to be a free agent potentially after the season. I don't know what his what his contract addition was. Let's say it's a year, um, and Brad Knighton could be thinking this way too. He'll be a free agent after the season, and he's going to go and sign for what's essentially his hometown team that's coming into the league in 2022 and finish off his career there. That would make a lot of sense to me. So uh, if if that was the case, maybe Earl Edwards is not necessarily for this year as much as it is for next year look at that connection sean i love it that's a great point good job sean <laughs> uh mocha says if bootner leaves then i actually like the mouthless signing and i'm a uh, fan of the wolf signing also if we sign an international left wing left mid and bring in another center center back for depth what is the ceiling for the revolution next year uh, Chris, those seem to be the signings we want. Uh, wh what do you think is the rev ceiling for that? If, if that happens? Yeah. Oh, first I want to start off by saying, uh, calling him Wilf. Uh, can we just, can we coin the phrase Lil Wilf? I don't know. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go with that one for now. Cause we had big Wilf last, last season. So anyway, ceiling, I mean, even if we don't make those signings, I think the ceiling is still MLS cup, right? It has to be, we were already, you know, one goal away, one post away from making it to MLS cup. Uh, we almost beat the eventual MLS cup champions. Uh, so, yeah, I would have to say only making the team better, your ceiling 
it can't get any higher than the highest accolade that there is. I would have to stay uh, with MLS Cup. Uh, I think expectations is maybe what people are wanting to hear more about. Expectations are definitely going to rise, and I think that we should definitely be um, an MLS Cup contender, um, you know, a top four team in the league, potentially, if we're making these signings that um, people are thinking are actually going to drop. Yeah, I, I still see them just a piece short from being a true contender. Um, we saw what they could do last year, and I think they're capable of doing that again. Um, and, you know, there's nothing to say when you get to the Eastern Conference final, you're not going to make it to MLS Cup. You know, the, the crew went on and, and did well in the final. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I still see them a piece short of being a true contender. And I, I don't see their ceiling. You know, realistically, I think their ceiling is just short of winning an MLS Cup. Um, without one or more signings, which isn't a bad place to be. Um, you know, it's still early in the, the offseason, and I think there'd be more signings out there. But right now, that's what I'd say. And, you know, for their best-case scenario to be realized, too, they have to be healthy at the right time. The Revolution were healthy at the right time this year. They went into the playoffs with, you know, all their DPs finally healthy and, and hitting on all cylinders. Um, and, you know, to hit that ceiling, they need that to happen again. James Downing says, curious on what signings around the league you guys find interesting. Also curious where you think Diego ends up. So this is a two-part question here, two very different questions. Sean, has there been any uh, signings in MLS that you've found pretty interesting? And uh, do you have any predictions or thoughts on where Diego Fagundes ends up? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of, well, I, nothing in the league has has been too shocking. I'm I'm glad to see you know, Chris Wondolowski returning for one more season. It would have been tough for his, to see him go out with the career he's had with no fans uh, watching him play. Um, I haven't seen any move that's really struck me as a kind of a game changer. Um, nothing tells me that, you know, one other, some other team in the league is, has moved themselves into contention. Um, that wasn't there already. So nothing's shocked me too much in this off season. Um, as for Diego Fagundes, it, it seems like based on his, his dad's tweet that you know, might be some good news coming soon. Um, I, I don't know where he ends up, but it, again, I, we talked about this before. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended up on another MLS team on a contract not that much higher than what the Revolution were offering him. And it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up in, in League MX, um, you know, probably not for much more money either uh, on, on a team there. I think he's a guy that's talented enough as a free agent to land on his feet somewhere. Um, but I don't know that he's necessarily going to get the money that he was he was looking for. That's that's what I'm more curious to see than where he ends up is, is what his eventual salary ends up being. As far as MLS signings that I've found maybe shocking, I guess I'm going to look towards uh, Bradley Wright Phillips going to Columbus because that's a team that's already stacked offensively, and then you're going to go ahead and bring in a player like BWP that makes that attack even scarier over there. Uh, the crew should be really happy about that move. I personally am not a big fan of bringing in Bradley Wright Phillips, but I know what he can do for a club, um, and I think that that's uh, pretty surprising to see because you have to think that he's going to be very expensive uh, and for an MLS Cup winning team to go out and take on a salary of that player um, that I found that a bit shocking. And then uh, as far as Diego, I agree that I think he's going to stay somewhere in MLS. You know, his family is here. He's established himself in the States. I don't see him necessarily wanting to travel abroad. Um, I think that he would entertain the idea. Maybe if the money was there, he would take it. But I think that uh, I, I would imagine that he stays somewhere in MLS. Honestly, the, the biggest kind of signing thing that has come out or at least it seems like it's going to come out, is that Christian Pavone is not going to stay 
with the LA Galaxy because they were a terrible team last year, and he's been, you know, by far their best player. Um, so for for them to lose, you know, it's it's weird to see the Galaxy be so bad because they've been such a good team for so many years. Um, I don't know what they're going to do next year to turn things around because losing their best player is going to help things. I think you guys are missing the most interesting MLS transaction. Uh, I mean, maybe ever. I mean, this is total MLS in a nutshell. A guy, Joe Corona, gets selected in the expansion <laughs> draft, and then four days later gets selected in the re-entry draft. Uh, you know, is the first ever former Austin player. Uh, probably didn't even, you know, meet everyone in the front office by the time Houston selected them. Went from L.A. to Austin to Houston. Um, that's as MLS as it gets, so I, I got to give a shout-out to that. Um, I, I also got to give a shout-out to the Columbus goalkeeper situation. If you remember, uh, the Columbus crew... Uh, dra- uh, traded for Evan Bush in the uh, half-day window uh, at the beginning of the offseason. And then in the re-entry draft, they also selected another goalkeeper, Eric Dick. Uh, so that means in the past few weeks, the Columbus crew have gotten both Dick and Bush. And th- that's worth <laughs> noting. <laughs> Last question here. Meat Sack Supporters says, does Bruce's coaching style no longer hold up in modern MLS or are the haters just finding something to complain about after he led us to the conference final? Moving on from my comment, Chris... Bruce's coaching style. Does he still have it? Yeah, he still has it. I, it's the haters, man. That especially on Twitter, they're going crazy. I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's maybe they're not finding enough to complain about, so they're just making things up. I mean, this team went from being coached by Brad Friedel in one of the worst seasons of our history to being taken over by Bruce Arena in the middle of the year last year to this year uh, being in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, Bruce still has it, uh, and I think that. The results can only, you know, improve from here. Yeah, I'm with Chris. I mean, we've seen Bruce Arena make some questionable decisions at times. Every coach does. Um, but he he turned turned around a team that was terrible and got them to the Eastern Conference Final, really close to MLS Cup, and they were playing really really well until that Columbus game. The Columbus game they didn't play well well in, but until that that Columbus game, they were playing really well in those playoffs. Um, so yeah, Bruce Bruce Arena still has it. You know, he's he's never been perfect. Um, but he's the best coach MLS has ever seen, and he's going to make mistakes, and there are going to be things you can question him on, um, but I don't think there's anyone better to be coaching the Revolution right now. Yeah, and we're seeing progress since Brad Friedel was fired. And another thing, too, that I think a lot of people are getting upset about is that, you know, the Revs aren't making a big splash and whatnot. Um, but, you know, Bruce Arena goes out and gets the players. Bruce Arena is not here to rebuild. Um, and in every transfer window, you know, the first one he got Gustavo Bo. Second one, he went out, he got Bootner and, and Adam Buxa. This summer, I know a lot of people didn't think he had a lot of great moves, but he made a lot of really smart moves with what he could work with in a pandemic uh, with not a lot of resources. Um, he acquired a number of players that ended up proving to be uh, pretty valuable down that, that final stretch. And, and certainly, you know, Kakuta Mene didn't work out as well as, as certain players did, but, you know, trading Zahibo for Tommy McNamara was a, a good move as well. So, um, you know, I, I think this offseason is a little bit, uh, you know, moving a little bit slower and i i think bruce usually works a little bit fast and so far we've only seen depth signings uh but you know you, you got to trust bruce here you got to trust the process because we've seen progress over and over again um, and one thing i do want to point out sean i know our last podcast we talked about if adam buxa can be bought down uh as a tam player uh, and opening open up a dp spot um just to let you guys know it did a little bit of extra research and unless the rules have changed from 2019 uh they adam buxa cannot be bought down because his transfer fee does does uh build into his salary uh, and that's according to a athletic article by paul tenorio who is the go-to reference for all things tam gam uh, and mls rules so 
don't expect another designated player because unless a rule change has uh, been made that no one is aware of, um, then Adam Buxa is your third designated player uh, and, and TAM signings is, is what you can expect. Although, as I say, th- they have cap room so they can still acquire a big splash. Uh, it's just not going to be another designated player level player. So um, with that, let's get into some other news real quick. Taeyeon Buchanan called into the Canadian national team camp for this January. Uh, Colby Quinones, I need to learn his name, Revs 2 player. He's been called up to the Puerto Rican national team. Isaac Anking also was put on the preliminary roster for the Puerto Rican national team as well. Um, so those two young players uh, getting some potential uh, international experience with Puerto Rico. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, Sean, Diego's dad has teased some news. Uh, he said on Twitter, quote, something very nice is coming these uh, these next few days to celebrate. I think that's what he meant to say. The translate function on Twitter is not 100%, but... Uh, with that being said, guys, give out your Twitter handles and your final thoughts. Chris, I'll start with you. Yeah, my last thoughts really. Uh, just a quick stat correction. Uh, Matt Polster is not six foot tall. He is five foot eleven and a half. Uh, so you got that half inch off, Sean. I'm sorry. Um, Gr- girls on Tinder would notice that when when they meet in person, she'd be like, "You're five eleven and a half." I, that's, yeah. Well, that's why I'm, I'm five foot seven and three quarters. So um, I totally I totally understand that game, but. Uh, yeah, so my, my final thoughts is really I, we're still looking at the midfield and seeing where where is the height going to come from? What are we going to do with the area battles? Because Matt Polster is our tallest player in the midfield, uh, and he's not even six foot tall. We've had three signings that are not goalkeeper this year uh, so far, and each one of them has been a player that is five foot nine. So that's my final thought. I'm going to stick on the on the height train until uh, that gets taken care of. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter. We can talk about this all day at Reservolts. Uh, and yeah, come find me over there. And also follow the Revs Revolt YouTube channel. Uh, Chris also put up his uh, latest video on player grades for the 2020 season. It's definitely worth a watch. So please check out his YouTube channel as well. Uh, Sean, where can people find you on Twitter? And what is your final thoughts on the day? Also, you need your 20 seconds of Tottenham talk here. So <laughs> combine it all into one for us, please. Yeah, I'll, I'll skip the Tottenham talk. It's been a, a rough day with another blown early lead. But scoring in the first minute and then giving up in the 80 plus minute. Um, but no, I'm on the same train with Chris uh, on the height train. I think the revolution are still lacking there. Um, you know, Captain, we mentioned is five nine. Speaking of, of height corrections, I've seen him listed as five seven just about everywhere else except for the Revs website. So I want to know how tall he actually is. Um, but no, the the one thing I'm excited for right now is is Tejan Buchanan playing for the Canadian national team. Um, you know, it, it, Canada has made some great strides with talent. And to see them hopefully in the future with Alfonso Davies, you know, perhaps the best player in CONCACAF right now. Um, and then Tejan Buchanan bombing down those wings. I think that could be really fun to watch. So I'm looking forward to seeing Buchanan out there for, for the Canadian national team um, and seeing what they can do. And hopefully in a future camp, seeing him and, and Alfonso Davies both bombing down the wings. Uh, you can find me at Sean Aldonahue on Twitter. Yeah, and you know, I know you don't want to talk about Tottenham, but they stayed on pace with Liverpool today. Liverpool, uh, not exactly uh, on my, uh, you know, nice list uh, this holiday season. After I used them on all of my parlays today, because uh, you know, Liverpool hosting West Brom—that's as easy a win as humanly possible, I guess not. Uh, so uh, yeah, so Tottenham, not the most disappointing Premier League team of the day. Uh, I just want to tell everyone, all of our listeners, thank you for uh, following us. This is our last podcast of 2020. So I know I've been saying a lot lately, but thank you for listening. Thank you for helping us grow. We had another great year. Uh, I think 35 podcasts put out by us this year um, and a lot of encouragement along the way. It was a bit of a tough season with the pandemic, but you know, uh, we're really uh, happy and appreciative of all the feedback that we've gotten. Uh, and also please 
if you haven't already, rate and review. But other than that, please follow us at Revolution Recap on Twitter, and please like our Revolution Recap Facebook page. You can also email us, revolutionrecap at gmail.com at any time with your comments and questions. Um, and again, rate and review if you have not already. We'll be checking in all off-season as news comes up. But until then, thank you everyone for listening, and go Revs!